Well, and all God's people said, Amen. Well, good morning. Wonderful to see you this morning on this uh, Veterans Day. And just once again, to all of our veterans, those who are uh, serving, we appreciate you. I'm thankful uh, that uh, we have the freedom that we have, and we know that folks have given of their lives so that we can have this freedom to come in and be able to worship and to get into God's Word and to discover His plan for our life. And so I, I stand before you as a pastor who is just uh, so very thankful for those who have served and those who are serving. And once again, to those of you who uh, stood in our midst this morning, uh, we, we appreciate you deeply and there truly are no, uh, no words. We don't have the words to adequately communicate uh, how, much, uh, how much you mean to us and how much we appreciate your service. How are you this morning? Good. Are you ready for the Word of God? All right, all right. Well, we're going to head uh, head in that direction now. So, on Sunday mornings, you may be aware of the fact that uh, we're we're looking at a series on urgency. We're looking at a series on living with a passion for the glory of God, making the most of each and every day of life because uh, tomorrow's not promised. Life is short. Life flies by really, really fast, and uh, we don't have the promise of tomorrow. We don't have the promise of this afternoon. We don't have the promise of the next, uh, the next second. All we have is now. All we have is this heartbeat. All we have is this moment. And so we want to make the most of each and every day, uh, each and every moment that God gives us. Now, uh, today we're going to be looking at a passage that really this sermon series is built off of. It's uh, in the book of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and then leading over into chapter 6. And so I'm going to invite you to go ahead, if you would, and turn there with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and then leading into chapter 6 this morning. Uh, as you turn your way there to 2 Corinthians, uh, just a little background on the book of uh, 2 Corinthians. Same could be said about 1 Corinthians. It was written to a church that uh, was planted, was started by the Apostle Paul. It was a church that had a lot of issues. It was a church that had a lot of hang-ups. It was a church that uh, uh, was divided. It was a church that uh, was carnal in many ways. It, it was a church that would fight over which leaders they preferred. Uh, it was a church that was uh, given way to false teachers. Uh, sexual immorality was rampant in the church. And so Paul wrote uh, two, two letters that we have that God's given us in his word to correct some of the mistakes, the abuses, the sins in the Corinthian church. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 is where we're going to start this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul is reminding them of the grace that we have, of the gifts of God that we have, of the mercies of God that we have. And then he's encouraging them uh, to not receive God's grace in vain. In other words, do, do something with it. Allow it to change your heart. Allow it to change your life. And we're going to be reminded this morning that the time is now. Uh, the time for you to be saved. The time for you to completely commit your life to Christ. Uh, the time for you to surrender. The time for you to listen to God. The time for you to make Him number one. To put your hope and your trust in Him. The time is now. That's what we're reminded of this morning. That the time for those things is right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 17, and then we're going to blend over into chapter 6. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, 
the new creations come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, or God fashioned him, or God prepared him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Somebody in the house this morning say, now. Say it again, now. Now, the Bible says, is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Now, what I want to do this morning is develop a little bit of a foundation. And, and then the bulk of my message is going to get into, the Lord led me to talk to you about why now is the time. Why today is the day of salvation. But let me give you a little bit of background here, first of all. Now, verses 17 through 21, look in your Bible if you would, verses 17 through 21, we are reminded of all the many gifts that we have in Christ this morning. Uh, we've been given grace. Uh, verse 18, all this is from God. Uh, grace is God's unmerited favor. It's God's undeserved favor. We've been given the gift of reconciliation. Look in verse 19. God is not counting people's sins against them in Christ. So he's reuniting hostile parties. Verse 21, we've been given the gift of God's sacrifice. Verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin or knew no sin to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And so we look here at the high price that Jesus paid to save us. Verse 21, justification. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we in him might become the righteousness of God. This points to the fact we've been given the gift of forgiveness. We have been justified. We have been declared righteous when we believe in Jesus. Justification is that when God looks at me, when God looks at you, it is, it's as if we've never sinned because of the blood of Jesus. Somebody say amen this morning. What a great gift, what great gifts that we, have been, that we have been given, that we have received. But the Corinthians were not doing much about those gifts. Uh, they were lagging behind in spiritual growth. Uh, they, they were not pursuing Christ. They, they were not allowing this grace to change their life. So verse 1 and 2, which by the way, the original word of God didn't have the verses in them. Those were added later. So kind of an, an unfortunate break here between chapter 6 and chapter 5 because it all fits so closely together. Verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 6, Paul is begging them not to receive God's grace in vain. In other words, don't take it for granted. 
uh, don't live as if we've not been given all of these gifts because we toss them aside and we do nothing with them. In other words, Corinthians, and to us this morning, live up to your profession of faith. Allow God's grace, allow God's word to change you because that's why we've been given grace. My friends, we need to know this morning, especially as people who believe in the eternal security of the believer, and that's this, when I gave my life to Jesus, listen, don't, don't misunderstand this this morning. When I gave my life to Jesus, He in His grace went on and forgave me of all of my sins, past, present, and future. Amen? And, and so I'm, I'm forever saved. I'm, I didn't get this salvation, and I can't lose this salvation. And when you really got it, it should work in your heart thanksgiving and gratefulness. See, I'm not looking at grace as a license to sin. Grace to me inspires me to live every day and to please the one who laid down his life for my sins. Grace is given to us to challenge us, to break us, to mold us. In fact, I love what Paul wrote to Titus. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. This may be on the screen for you. Yeah, I believe, I believe it is. Look at this. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us, from all wickedness, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Grace inspire. if you really got it, grace will inspire you to want to serve Jesus. Grace will change your heart and make you want to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. And so that's why later on, the Apostle Paul express a little, expresses a little bit of concern as if to some of the, the Corinthians even had it. 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, the Apostle Paul says, Examine yourselves to be sure that you are in the faith. Because grace will inspire, grace will change. They were taking for granted, receiving in vain the grace of God. And that leads into verse 2 and 3. Verse 2 and 3 in your Bible, if you look. Again, still developing a foundation here. Verse 2 and 3 is a quotation back to Isaiah 49 and 8. And there God is quarreling with His people. It's picturing a time that would come. It's called a messianic prophecy. It pictures Christ who would come. It pictures his rejection by people, that he was crucified, we know, but that God the Father did not forsake him. Amen? That Jesus went to the grave and rose on the third day. He began appearing to his disciples, and then he ushered in a time, right? He ushered in a time until he returns again, okay? Until he returns again to bring judgment upon the earth, he ushered in a time of grace. He ushered in a time of favor. 
today is a day that we can be forgiven, that we can be saved. We're in a day before Jesus returns that we can be saved and we can be forgiven. We are in that day. And Paul's saying, hey, we're now in the time prophesied. We're now in that era in which we're in a time of favor. We're in a time of God's blessing, a time of God's grace. Today, he says, I tell you, verse 2, today I tell you, is the time of God's favor, now is the day of salvation. Verse 2, in my, in my time, in the time of favor, I heard you, and in the, in the day of salvation, I helped you. This happened when Jesus came to lay down his life for our sins, rose again, and now today, in this place, I have the joy and the privilege of offering to you on behalf of heaven a limited time offer you can be saved and forgiven of your sins if you will trust in Jesus this is a day of favor this is a day of blessing I won't spend too much time on it but the Bible indicates in a number of places that when when Jesus when when G Jesus second coming happens which I think also encompasses the rapture of the church that when judgment falls upon the earth, there's going to be great deception all across the earth. And a lot of churchgoers will give in to the deception that's promoted in that day. That truly today, before the church is raptured, is a day like no other day. A day when God is speaking when God brought you to this place, when God wants to save you, when, when you need to recognize today is the day that life is short, that life flies by fast and tomorrow is not promised. Today is the day. Why? Today is the day. Why? Well, the rest of the message, I'm going to give you three reasons why today is the day, that now is the time. The first one's this. Now is the time because God is speaking. God is speaking in this day of favor. And it, listen to me. And every time you ignore God, your heart gets harder. Did you hear me? Every time you ignore God, every time you say no to God, the Bible indicates that your heart gets harder. I want to encourage you this morning. Don't, don't say no to God. Don't say no to the Holy Spirit. Don't say no to God speaking to your heart this morning. Say, say yes. Don't, don't say no. I was reading one of our Southern Baptist devotionals some time ago. It's called Mature Living. And a man was tucking his daughter, Abby, uh, into bed uh, and was going over a, a devotion. And she was reading the story of Jonah and how Jonah disobeyed God. And as this father worked through that devotion and began to appeal to Abby's heart, uh, this father said to Abby, uh, you know, Abby, God told Jonah to go preach to the Ninevites, and Jonah disobeyed. And, th and this father said, Abby, um, we don't tell God no, do we? And she said, uh-uh, we say, no, sir. Well, as cute as that story is, little Abby had it wrong in that moment. And, and that is not only do we not say no to God, we, we don't even want to say no, sir. Can I get an amen in the house? Uh, when, when God speaks to me, there's only one right response, and it's yes, Lord, here am I. 
Yes, Lord, what is your will? Let me give you two words that are incompatible that do not go together in the Christian life, and that is no, Lord. No, Lord does not go together because Lord means that Jesus is master, that he's king of our life, that he's Lord of our life, that he's ruling our life, that he's calling our shots. My friend, I love you with all of my heart. And I want you to know that today is the day, now is the time, because every time you ignore God, every time you say no to God, your heart gets a little bit harder. Uh, the parable of the sower or the soils illustrates this, I believe. A lot of passages that do. But the parable of the sower, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 8. You know the parable of the sower. It, it, it's, it's a story of how we hear the message. It's the story of how we hear the gospel. And some of us receive the word on rocky ground. We got joy when we hear it, but there's no root. We believe for a while, but in testing, we fall away. There are some who hear among the thorns, uh, Luke 8 and 14. The thorns stand for those who hear, but they go on their way. Their, their, their faith, so to speak, is choked out by life's worries, by riches, by pleasures, and they never, they never mature. Verse 15, this is the kind of people we want to be. It's the people who hear on good soil, those who hear with a noble and a good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and persevere and produce the crop. At the end of this parable, Jesus challenges us in verse 18. Look in your Bible in verse 18, Luke 8 and 18. He says, Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has, and by the way, I think that means whoever Whoever recognizes that they have, they, they, they see the value of what God's given them. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, in other words, those who don't recognize the value of what God has given them when he speaks to us. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken away from them. The New Living Translation says it this way, Luke 8 and 18, it'll be on the screen for you. To those who listen, this is Jesus, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. And, and then this is what would go on in, in, in places like Hebrews and be described as a hardening of the heart. A Romans chapter 1, a people that God gave them to their own lust and their own passions because they would not listen to God. And they kept saying, no, Lord. Don't say no, Lord, this morning, church. Don't say no, Lord. Because every time we say no, every time I do this to the Holy Spirit, my heart gets don't be surprised if after some time we just don't hear the voice of God anymore. And I can't think of much more tragic thing to stop hearing the voice of God because we weren't doing anything about what he was telling us to do. Today's the day. How's the time? Because every time you say no to God, your heart gets a little bit harder. Another reason why today is the day is because there's great joy in obedience. If you have a Bible with you, Psalms 112, verses 1 and 2. Uh, today's the day because you're, you're, you're missing out. If you're not listening to God, if you're not obeying God, you're missing out on His best for your life. 
You're missing out on the joy that he wants you to have this other this morning. You're missing out on the joy that he wants you to share by impacting the lives of others. Psalms 112, verses 1 through 2. The psalmist says, praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Verse 2, their children will be successful, or in other words, blessed by God, have the favor of God everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. I want you to see two things here, and that is the joy of honoring and following in the ways of God, verse 1. And then I want you to see the joy of knowing you can impact others when you serve the Lord. We see here in verse 2, the next generation is impacted by, by our obedience. The next generation is impacted by us fearing the Lord, honoring God, and then following His commands. And once again, I just want to remind us how important it is to, to live for Jesus and to love God today because of those around us who, who need a life impacted, because of those looking up to us that need their life impacted. When you serve the Lord, you'll be filled with joy. Are you joyless this morning? Are you lacking joy? Are you empty? Ask yourself, am I, verse 1, am I honoring the Lord? Am I, am I following His words? Am I putting Him first in my life? One of the greatest ways to live is to know that we're impacting others through our life. And once again, I just want to encourage those of us who are parents, parents of small children especially, let's do everything we can to get our children to the Lord. Ver verse 2, to get them in the presence of, of Jesus. Uh, this is proverbial. When you read the Proverbs and read Psalms, I want you to understand that they're proverbial in nature. And what they mean is that this is a generally true principle. We recognize this, don't we? We recognize that there are godly parents who have raised their children in the right, right way and those children have not decided to follow the Lord. Shake, shake your head if you realize that's true. We know that's true. We also know there are atheists who have had children come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. At the end of the day, here's the deal. I don't choose my faith for my kids. They make that choice themselves. But in general, it is true that the next generation will be much better off and that any given child will be much better off if they're raised in a way to see what it means to follow the Lord. I want to encourage us to do that, to, to live in such a way that the next generation sees what it's like to follow Jesus. Sure, they're going to make their own decisions, but may we do everything we can to get them to church, to get them to camp. To, to get them to VBS, to get them, get them in the presence of Jesus. Our kids, a reminder, our kids are sponges. Our kids are watching. Our kids are listening. Our kids are asking questions. We got a great question from our son Connor uh, this past week during the Pathway of Hope banquet. Uh, our kids, our younger kids, were out in the MMC conference room right out here uh, during the banquet. And as Connor, our eight-year-old, was walking into the room... He noticed that his mother, Jessica's name, as the teacher of the Wednesday night study, her name was no longer there on that classroom. We've, we've had classes change, and now Diana, Diana, you're, you're teaching that class now. Well, well Connor was kind of moved by that, and he didn't understand that. He's been used to seeing his mom's name on that classroom there. And so he says, Mom, are you not teaching that class anymore? And she said, No, I'm, I'm not teaching it. Diana Anderson's teaching it. And he said... Well, Mom, 
why, why are you not teaching? Did you not get enough votes? <laughs> you only get a question like that during election season, amen? <laughs> Did you not get enough votes? Our kids are asking great questions. Our kids are sponges. They're watching. They're listening. They're learning. My friends, let's give them something. Let's give them something that will change their life. Let's give them Jesus. Let's give them an example of someone who's following the Lord quickly. Uh, we want to make sure that we follow, that we're saved today. We want to make sure we're obedient today, listening to the Lord. Because every time we don't, every time we don't listen, every time we disobey, our heart gets a little bit harder. We want to make sure that we're following the Lord, that we're saved because joy is connected to our salvation. Joy is connected to our obedience. And then finally and quickly, we want to make sure that we're saved today, that our sins are forgiven because tomorrow's not promised. The passage we open up this series in, James chapter 4 and verse 14, to people who were arrogantly boasting about tomorrow and what they were going to do next year, the Lord says, Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll do this or we'll do that. Our Sunday night, our Sunday evening squad uh, looked at a passage in Luke chapter 12 about a rich fool who, uh, verses 13 through 21, if you want to make a note of it, who lived all of his life, not for God, not for others, but just the accumulation of wealth. Just storing up bigger barns, more stuff, right? And God came to him and, uh, and said to him, based on an accumulation of stuff and no regard for God and no regard for people, God came to him one night and said, You fool. This very night your life is going to be demanded from you. And then who's going to get all you've prepared? For you? Who's going to get all you've prepared for yourself? Kind of the ultimate, you, you can't take it with you reminder. God's not into name calling. Uh, fool, by the, by the way, theologically, fool is a word that's used for an unbeliever. Psalms chapter 14 and 1 says, The fool has said in their heart, there's no God. And so God comes to him and says, You have all these plans for the accumulation of more. You had no plans for your own death. You had no plans for where you were going to go when your life was over. This man had no, he had no prolonged deathbed. He, he had no trip. We, it happened very suddenly, so he didn't have a doctor's visit with a prognosis. He wasn't given three months or six months or a year. He died very suddenly. And the truth is, not to scare you, but just be a preacher who will dispense truth. We never know when suddenly we may be in our last moment. I just say that because I love you. I was reading an article some time ago uh, about a fishing uh, tragedy in Tillamook Bay, Oregon. And I was struck by an interview that was uh, conducted with the owner of the marina. Several families had gone out fishing. And while they were out, their boat wrecked. Uh, and, and, and so it, it capsized and... Nine, nine people lost their life just on a fun, just a fun fishing trip. Several families went out, and nine people lost their lives. And owner of the marina, Jeff Folkamy, was being interviewed, and this, this just caught my attention. I was reading this in the newspaper, and this caught my attention. 
They were asking him about that morning when the, when the families, families took off, just asking him what he remembered about the day. And he mentioned, he mentioned a number of different things. I just thought something he said was kind of chilling. He said, uh, as they left, everybody was just very happy, very jolly. They, they, were, they were so excited just to spend the day together, just, just to go fishing together. It was just a normal day. He said it was just a normal day. And there was something about that. It was just a normal day that just gripped my attention. Because I thought to myself, the reason why you need to have peace with God, the reason why you need to make sure you're saved, that your sins are forgiven, that you know heaven's your home, is because sometimes our last day is just a normal day. Sometimes our last moment occurs on just a normal day. And, and many of us are planners. and We work hard and we'll plan for a trip or this activity or, or that activity. May our story not be a tragic story that we went suddenly, that we went on a normal day, and we had no plans for where we would spend eternity. My friends, there's no more important decision that you'll ever make in your life than to know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and your sins are forgiven, that heaven is your home. And by the way, this sermon series, ultimately, it's not a series about dying. It's a series about living. And you're not really living until you're ready to die. You're not really living until you're ready to die. Because you know Christ is Lord. Christ is Savior. He's your forgiveness, right? That heaven is your home. And I want to encourage you this morning as we draw to a close and as we're reminded that today is the day. I, 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 I want to remind you this morning that life is short. I, I want to remind you that life flies by fast. I, I want to remind you that tomorrow is not promised. I want to remind you that today's the day. I also want to remind you that God has given us the assurance of salvation through Christ so that we don't have to hope we're saved or I, I might be saved or, or I'm close, I'm close to being saved. We, we can be saved, we can know we're saved. And I want you to know this morning that if you're close to being saved, that is not good enough. Floyd Collins, a famous explorer uh, in 1925, one of, the, one of the greatest explorers, cave explorers known to man, uh, what, what was doing some cave, uh, some, some cave exploration at Mammoth Cave. And uh, Floyd made a tragic mistake as he was on his way to exit that cave. This was in January of 1925. Uh, Floyd somehow got wedged, he got stuck, and I don't know all, all of the details, but I know that uh, it was some time before they found out he was wedged and stuck, and they found out where he was, and they just weren't able, they weren't able to get to him. Uh, this, this greatest explorer of his time uh, became wedged, became stuck, and, and, and nobody could get to him. He had a little bit of food, and I think a little bit of water, but it was terribly cold, and there was water that was dripping down upon him. 
and Floyd Collins, one of the greatest cave explorers known to man, remains stuck in Mammoth Cave all by himself for 17 days, only 50 feet from the exit. Did you hear me? Only 50 feet from the exit. Only 50 feet from deliverance. And for 17 days, he was stuck. And Floyd Collins died in that cave. Close to getting out. But how many of you know that's a great illustration that close is not good enough? You don't need to be close to being saved. You don't need to be almost saved. You, you don't need to think you're saved or hope you're saved. Because God came from heaven and put on flesh and lived a perfect life and died on Calvary's cross, shed His blood for our sins, rose again on the third day. For God so loves the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish and have everlasting life. Because of that, my friends, I and you can have a no-so salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus today. Come to Jesus today. Would you bow your head, close your eyes as we enter into our time of invitation. Would you come to Jesus? You can do that in this moment. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You can do that in this moment by calling on the name of the Lord. Book of Romans reminds us that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you do that now? Would you say in your heart, or you can say it out loud, would you say, uh, uh, Dear God, I know you love me. Jesus, I know you came from heaven to earth. Jesus, I know that you died for my sins after living a perfect life. Jesus, I believe you rose again on the third day. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. Jesus, I want to turn from my sins, and I want to turn to you. I give you the rest of my life. Lord, save me from my sins. Lord, help me to know I'm saved. Lord Jesus, I love you. And I know I love you because you first loved me. Jesus, thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody might have prayed that prayer this morning. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. If they did, they know. God knows. We ask you, if you prayed that prayer, if you meant it, if God saved you, if you've been born again, uh, wondrously touched by the Holy Spirit, or if you've, maybe it's been some time ago, you've been saved, and you're ready now to tell somebody about it and come before the church. The invitation time is time for you to do that. So without delay, without waiting on someone else, you be the one that hits that aisle first and comes forward as we stand this morning and as we sing. If God's speaking to you, you come. You need to be saved. Come to Jesus this morning. Mm -hmm.